A few years ago, I went to a Saints away game at Fulham, and uh, we, we went towards the ground to Craven Cottage, and I, I realised that we'd gone in the wrong pub, and uh, we were wearing the wrong shirts in this particular pub. I don't know if you, any of you have had that experience before, and I think sometimes when we come to something new, and maybe you're here uh, even for the first time today, or you've only been here a couple of times, uh, you might feel like you're wearing the wrong shirt, and uh, we just want to say that you're really welcome to be among us here today. I want to take a few minutes, if I can, to explain something from the Bible which I hope will be relevant to you. At the height of his popularity, uh, Jesus was gathering thousands and thousands of people. They were watching his miracles. They were listening to the parables, the stories that he told. Uh, But after that had all come to an end, at the time of Jesus' death on a cross and his resurrection, that number had been reduced to only a few hundred. I wonder why that was. I wonder what went wrong. Well, Being a Christian is not easy. Uh, In fact, it's quite tough. And uh, there was a particular line that Jesus gave in a a, a time when he was doing a thing called the Sermon on the Mount, which I'll tell you about in a second. And it it gives us a bit of an insight as to why some people didn't stay the course. There's an amazing story where Jesus led thousands of people up a mountain and fed them. It was a spectacular miracle. Everyone got to be a part of this amazing event. And yet, a little bit of time after that, Jesus' disciples, his followers, the people who were really closest to him, they were saying stuff like, what's in it for us? We've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus responded to them and he said, well, To be honest, chaps, if you want to leave, then, you know, you're able to. And many of them did. So it's tough. It's not easy being a Christian. A lot of people think it is. A lot of people think you just kind of go along to a church and it kind of sort of happens. Well, it is often very difficult to stand up for something that other people don't think is right. Many years ago, I I sensed that God was calling me to use my life to reach other people with this fabulous good news that we are profoundly loved by God. And I've seen the transformation of many, many people, thousands actually, as I've been able to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to different people, but it's not been easy. There have been challenges along the way. Sometimes there's been obstacles to overcome. Sometimes there's been criticisms to endure. And sometimes I've had to go through some narrow gates, and that's what I want to talk about for a few moments. And I've needed to be sort of squeezed a little bit to get through some of these narrow gates. Maybe that's what Paul meant when he said this. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. So we've spent the last few Sundays looking at this subject called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the timeless words of Jesus, and it really was the longest speech he ever gave publicly that is recorded in the Bible. He gathers this huge crowd up a mountain, again, interesting, but this time... It's 
sort of lifestyle food that's on the menu, not physical food. He's doing something different. Jesus often was very comfortable holding the spiritual and the physical together. You can see it often in the way that he talks. Spiritual life, physical life. Spiritual birth and physical birth. He once told a wealthy religious leader, a guy called Nicodemus, that he had to be born again. He had to start his life all over again. It's one thing to be physically born, and I think most of us have been through that. It's quite another thing to be spiritually born, and that's what you've been experiencing today. Born again into God's family, to know what it's like to be loved by a father and to be part of something where everybody else is on that same journey. The Sermon on the Mount, this kind of chunk of Matthew's Gospel where Jesus is explaining how we are meant to live, how society is meant to be set up. It's kind of like the Magna Carta of Christianity. It's the basis of what has set the moral compass for so much of what we all believe to be right. Whether we are Christian or not Christian or not yet a Christian or not sure what we are or something else, most of what Jesus is talking about we sort of agree with. That's why people would say often that I'm not a big fan of the church, I don't really like everything Christians are about, but Jesus was quite a good bloke. You get that all the time. Why? Because a lot of what Jesus said, in fact, everything that Jesus said, pretty much makes sense. And throughout this amazing delivery that Jesus gives up a mountain to a whole load of people, mainly those that are already following him, it's kind of all there, but there is some tough stuff as well that Jesus is saying. These are some of the things that are included in this amazing speech. There's stuff there about vision, about what motivates us. There's stuff about purpose. There is stuff about laws and legislation, things that are really important, about justice, about prayer, our dependence upon God. There's stuff in there about our money and what we do with it and our relationship with it. There's stuff there about fear and anxiety. There's a whole load of stuff in there about faith, about trusting God with our lives. And there's something in there about foundations, about, way, about the things that we base our lives on, the things that we put our trust in. And then at the kind of the climax of this delivery, right at the end of it, Jesus really goes for it. He lays down some tremendously strong challenges about what this new life is all about. A new way of doing life and the change that it brings, but also the cost that is involved. The story of the wise and foolish builders is right in there. Most of us have grown up knowing that story. You know, the, the wise man who built his house on the rock and the idiot who built his, his house on the beach, on the sand. You know, the wise and the foolish builders. It's a stark warning from Jesus about the problems that come when we build our lives on dodgy foundations. But today I want to touch upon something else that Jesus said around that, around that time. And this is it. Enter through the narrow gate. 
For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Wow, interesting. Quite jarring words, to be quite honest. So Jesus sets out the ground rules for living and then he explains the cost and it's tough to hear that. It tends to go against the grain. It's not really the kind of stuff that people want to hear. We prefer statements like, it's okay what you believe and what you do as long as you're tolerant. It's okay to believe what you want to believe as long as you're sincere. It's okay to have strong views as long as you keep them to yourself and you're private. We don't want to hear about a narrow gate. We don't want to hear about one way, one truth and one life. We don't want to hear that every other road leads to destruction. It's not really what people enjoy hearing about. But God's way is the narrow way. It's never been about the wide brushstrokes that just everybody else seems to want to say that life is about. There is something in us, there's something that's gone wrong with our internal compass. Somehow we want to do our own thing. We want the wide road. We want to make our own choices. We want to take our destiny into our own hands. But the trouble is, is that we have ended up dismantled by that. We've ended up deeply broken. And for many people, we've ended up in heaps of trouble. Where the systems of the world that we have become slaves to have dismantled us from the inside. And into the chaos of that condition, Jesus says, the narrow gate. God's way is the narrow way. Why? Because he comes after our wayward hearts. He's got something to say about our attitudes, the things that we harbour on the inside, the stuff that we don't tend to talk about in Starbucks. Throughout the whole of the history of the Bible, God's dealings with countless generations, his unfolding plan that actually climaxed in Jesus, it didn't begin with Jesus, that is almost the end of God's incredible plan where God works with a nation called Israel. And as you look at God's way of dealing people through the narrow gate, it's unavoidable, it's everywhere throughout the Bible. This amazing book that reveals the the heart and the character and the nature of God the Father and his deep love for us as people. Let's take a look. 13 centuries before Jesus. Just just get your head around that. This is the amount of history we're dealing with when we look at the Bible. 1,300 years before Jesus, God divided the Red Sea on behalf of the nation of Israel who were escaping from the Egyptian army who had enslaved them for 400 years. The narrow escape through the narrow gate of deliverance Israel's great exodus 
out of the slavery that they experienced for generations in Egypt. There's so much to explain. We haven't got time to explain all of this. But just to say that I don't think it is possible to really understand what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross without understanding God's journey with this nation of Israel. That he found a way, he found a way of delivering this nation, this people, over and over and over and over again. This is a very big story about a very big father and a very big plan for our lives. There's so much in this, too much to explain in one morning. But these are the words of Moses who led this amazing exodus of these people out of Egypt. Moses, who, who clearly wore a toupee because sometimes he was seen with Aaron and sometimes he wasn't. These are the words of Moses. It's absolutely breathtaking. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And then a bit later on in that chapter, the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. The Bible is one book, Old Testament and New Testament. To understand the New Testament, we need to understand the Old Testament. To understand what Jesus did on the cross, we've got to understand what God has always done in the way that he has rescued his people. Forty years after this event, God parted the waters again, this time at the River Jordan. Two million people crossed the Jordan River at flood tide and entered a land that they would get to call home. Same story, same gospel, same great rescue through the narrow gate. No wonder that Jesus spoke of a narrow gate. It's always been the way that we have been able to get to God. It's the way of faith, it's the way of trusting in his great love for us, but it's also the way of self-denial. When Jesus died on a cross, it was the culmination of everything that he'd been about for the three years, as he was among the people, healing the sick, raising the dead, loving the lonely, standing alongside the forgotten and the people who had felt that they had been dismantled. But the cross was necessary. Why? Because when God's law is broken, somebody has to pay. What on earth does that mean? Well, most of us recognize that we are far from what we should be. Everybody, I'm sure, here recognizes that. There is something that is at work within the human heart, deep within the mechanics of the human soul, that causes us to drift it causes us to walk away from what we know is right and towards other things. And that's something that the Bible calls sin. It's a very religious, old-fashioned word that we normally only see in old hymns. What does it mean? Well, sin is simply this. It's the stuff that we do in action, 
in thought and in word which violates God's perfect rule, God's perfect law. And I don't know about you, but I'm fully in that camp and I'm very aware of it. And it was so serious, it was so powerful, this hold that this word sin had over our life, that it required the death of Jesus himself. Because the crime was committed firstly against God. Clearly it has caused chaos in our world and it messes up our relationships and it ruins the things that we want to, the things that are really important to us. It dismantles that stuff, but primarily it separates us from a God who is a father who loves us and he wants to protect us, to shield us and to love us. And so it required God to step in himself. And that's why Jesus is such a big deal. That's why Christians bang on about Jesus all the time. That's why we sing about him. That's why we pray to him. Because Jesus is the narrow access point through which we get to God. It's not just what he said. It's not just what he did. It's how he died that makes it all possible for us. Because the consequences of sin is death. But because Jesus died... We get to live as friends of God in this life and into eternity. It is incredibly powerful news for each one of us. When Jesus died on a cross, he opened up the narrow gate, the access point for the eternal salvation of each one of us. And baptism is very powerful. Because baptism too is a narrow access point. It's the personal invitation, and Jonathan's already said some of this, it's the personal invitation to to bury an old life and rise to a new one. Simply that. It's not a religious ceremony. It's actually far from that. There There is nothing about what you have experienced today which is in any way connected to religion. It's something far more powerful, something far more life-changing than that. Baptism, it's, it's like a spiritual birthing pool. You know, it's not, it's not big as swimming pools go, let's face it. Uh, but it's massively important because it's the place where new life is celebrated. That's why it's like a birthing pool. When we hear of a God who loves us, who sent his son to save us, and we respond to that, we begin a journey. We begin a journey of faith, of transformation, and of discovery. And baptism is the moment where the deal is sealed. It brings to a completion the journey that many people have been on, where for a time, whether it's for a week or six months or even longer, we become God aware. We become aware that the God who we probably thought existed actually really does. And it's not just that we learn to believe in God, we start to understand that he believes in us. And that's the game changer. That's the deal clincher. Because a lot of people believe in God, but they feel that they are too broken, too imperfect, too lost to be acceptable to God. 
Let me say to you today, whatever you believe about yourself, whatever your history and your chaos says that you are, you are what God says you are today. You are deeply, profoundly loved by a father. A father who was stopped at nothing to make himself available to you. And sometimes when we hear that stuff, particularly if we're not used to hearing it, quite a few things can happen. We can feel a bit emotional. We can feel a little bit unsettled. All of that's okay. Because this is big stuff. It's heavy stuff. You suddenly realize that you've lived the whole of your life on a parallel track. And occasionally you may have thought about some of these things, but you've kind of just carried on. And that's okay, it's what everyone does. But then you have these moments, and they're, they're almost like points in the track, in a railway track. And you come to that point, and you have an option to go left or right. It's like a fork in the road. And these moments, literally this moment right now, is like a fork in the road. Do we want to carry on on that way? Do we want to keep to the right? Or do we want to go in a different direction? The thing about Jesus is that he always invited people to choose. He never just said, look, I've got some great ideas if anyone wants to listen. And, you know, we're going to do a few healings today, a bit of street magic. You know, that really wasn't what Jesus was about. There was a big picture. And at the end of a miracle or a parable or some kind of one-on-one -on -one moment, and there's loads of them in the Bible, he always seemed to invite people to respond. And the response was basically this, follow me, join be a part of this. And I'm going to give you that opportunity today. Don't worry, we're not going to lift the lid on the pool again and chuck you in. That's not what's going to happen. Some of you will end up in this in a few weeks and months' time. But it's simply to come to that point in our own internal stuff, our heart, our our private thoughts where we take an internal step and we say, I'm actually going to take the exit here. I'm going to go this way, not that way. And what you've heard today, and we hear it quite often at the moment because we're seeing some remarkable things happen in this church where people from all kinds of backgrounds are suddenly realizing who they truly are, that there's a God who loves them. So it's very common around here at the moment. But I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. Here's what happens. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to invite you to join with me. Now, don't think, well, I don't understand everything. Well, you're in the right place if you don't understand anything. No one else here does either. <laughs> but I'm going to invite you to step over the line and ask God to be your father. And to recognize that that is only possible because of what Jesus did through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And there's so much in that which we will tell you all about on Alpha when you come along. But it's an opportunity to respond to an invitation. So I'm going to pray a short prayer. And I'm going to leave a space after each line so you can repeat that on the inside. 
and really think about what you're saying. And at the end of the prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'm going to ask you to stick your hand in the air. Not exactly difficult, let's be honest. It's not illegal in this country <laughs> yet. <laughs> but I'm going to invite you to do that. So let's all close our eyes for a moment if we can. This is a very special, powerful moment for a number of people here. Okay, here's the prayer. Okay, this is the prayer. My Father in heaven, thank you that you love me. And you have a plan for my life. A perfect plan. I choose today to step into that plan. I'm doing that because I understand today that even though I've made many mistakes, I am loved by you. And because of Jesus, I can be forgiven. And so today, Father God, I step through the narrow gate into a whole new life of knowing you. Help me to take the next few steps. Okay, I want you to think about what you said just while we've got our eyes closed for a minute. Just think about what you said. And now I'm going to ask you to do something for me. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, particularly for the first time, but maybe you've prayed that in the past and you've just wanted to step back into what it means to really walk with God, I just want you to raise your hand where you are. Just stick your hand in the air, just real quick. Okay. Okay, put your hands down, thank you. Father, I pray for these men and women here today, young people. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would seal by the power of your Holy Spirit what you have spoken into their hearts, that transformation would take place right now. Father, that you would seal by your Holy Spirit what you have done inside of their heart today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's just give these guys a clap, shall we? It's brilliant. Amazing. So before, before um, the, Jonathan comes up and, and Joe and the guys just uh, finish off this um, time together, let me just tell you once again about Alpha. You've heard about it already today in the stories. Um, it's something that Jonathan over there, uh, or Jonathan Lloyd or J-Lo as I like to call him, um, and me and others uh, run very regularly, don't we J-Lo? Uh, and, and we would absolutely love you to be a part of this. You'll find all the information at the connect points. There's one there, there's one at the top um, of the balcony. And it's, it, this is where you're going to really find out more about what it means to live this transformed life knowing that you're loved by God. Thank you so much.